What is up, you beautiful fucking people? Listen, I really, really want to know if you are interested in rebranding or repositioning your business, if you want to come and fuck with some of the guys who have done it the best, October 19th and 20th at the Self-Made Summit here in Charlotte, North Carolina, I have compiled a group of the best micro gym owners who have done exactly that, started as CrossFit gyms, wanted to break it, become something bigger, something different, something that would make them unique and truly catapult their business, and that's exactly what they did. I have got Metabolic and the founders, Brandon and Kirk, coming. I've got Alchemy 365 with their founder, Mike Jones. I have got Steve Pingerton, who created Vitality Fitness and EvoFit, probably one of the most successful bootcamp versions to ever hit a CrossFit gym scene. And then we've got myself with Urban Movement, Joe Tabaldi, the founder of Flex, and a branding and marketing coach that'll take the ideas in your brain that you can't really put together, they're too abstract, and they will. he will help you figure that out for your business we're going to be, they're doing, you know, large, you know, these keynotes, they're going to be speaking for an hour on, on their topics of their specialty and how they did it. They're going to be getting into small groups with you. You'll be sitting side by side. You can literally touch Brandon at Metabolic or ask Mike Jones at Alchemy, you know, about a, creating a class concept that's brand new. You can talk to Steve Pinkerton about building a building, about becoming a landlord. How about, you know, creating a boot camp model that is truly unique. I'll be there. You can fuck with me. You guys, you listen to my stuff though. You know me through and through. I'm not talking about me, but these guys, you'll never again probably have a chance to be as close to these guys as you will at this event. The Self-Made Summit tickets are available now. Link is in my Instagram bio. Go there, get signed up. Hope to see you. Now let's get into the fucking podcast. Alrighty guys, it is Stu. It is What the Fuck Gym Talk and I have Mike RC who is been uh, awesome enough to, uh, to get on the podcast with me. He's busy as fuck down in LA taking meetings and stuff, and he's in his hotel room, and we're, we're jamming here today for you guys. Mike is a guy who came across my radar because I saw content from a guy doing what a lot of people are doing, talking about ways to grow a micro gym right now. That I was talking to Mike about this before we hit record. That's filling the, the Facebook feeds of a lot of gym owners. He bet, but the only thing that stood out to me, and this is means first impressions matter, the layout of his YouTube show, I looked at it and not knowing a thing about him, I said, that's fucking Sports Center or Around the Horn or, you know, First Take. That's exactly what that is. And I listened for a little bit, not long enough to learn his background. And it wasn't until later I talked with people like Brittany Welk and others that you've worked with that have had great things to say about you guys. Um, and then I learned that you were a huge basketball and sports fan. And I was like, that makes sense. But he, you put so, like, did, it, did you know you always wanted to do a Sports Center-esque looking thing? No, I still don't care if it's sports center or not. Um, so my, you're right. Everyone's doing the same stuff. Like when I look at my feed, they all look like the same person to me. They're, they're all different people, but I see the same guy. It's a copy paste. Yeah. The guy in front of his whiteboard with the meme format or whatever. Um, but we wanted to be able to create stuff that was unique. Even if it's not unique in the world, it's unique to us. So the testimonial meme format, that was us. The side-by-side, -side, that was us. We created that first. The mistake that we made was that it was too easy to replicate and therefore everyone started doing it because everyone could. And so I was like, okay, it's not about being different. It's about being uh, so difficult to replicate that people won't even attempt it or it's, you know, it's going to take them a long time by the time they do we're on to the next one. And so that's when I was like, we can't just do similar stuff. So if you look at our conference, 
it's not just renting out a little room in a hotel. Like we spent over a quarter of a million dollars on this thing. We had contortionist jugglers. We had, we had fire breathers. And then I found out the CEO of the building, uh, was uh, had a phobia of fire, so we had to lose our deposit on that. But we had like, is it a greatest showman kind of theme? Didn't you? It was insane, man. I've I mean, heard, I heard things. I heard it was awesome. It is nuts. So you know, between that, yeah, the show, the show's difficult to replicate. Um, what we're doing with you know our, our our trainings, our programs, all this stuff that we're doing, we're like, okay, it's okay to be different, but I want it so that somebody can't just go, hey, we should do that, and by tomorrow they have it. Like it cannot be that simple. I tell people all the time, every, every micro gym owner, in my opinion, is kind of like, and, and where my niche is, is really in this uh, CrossFit-esque kind of model, right? Uh, a barbell with shitty operational capacity in these 4,000 square foot warehouses, and they're wondering why they can't make money because they can't fit more than 17 people in a class, that kind of scene. And, I, and they're like, well, how can I make my thing different? And being different is most important. People recognize different. But I think really what you hit on right there is – being different to the point where it does take someone a while to catch up to you. I, I always use Amazon as an example. They were the first to two-day shipping. Now Target and Petco and fucking everyone can do two-day shipping. They were the first to one day and then the first the same day and they'll be the first to have a drone flying to your goddamn house, punch you in the face, give you your fucking you know, package and fly you off. You can't catch up to that. Yeah. Well, and even if you do though, they're always going to have the edge because they did it first. They knew why they came to that conclusion. You just recognized it. So it's like two dudes go into the bar to pick up a chick and they're wearing the same outfit. One guy saw what got that guy wear two weeks ago and goes, that looked good on him. I'm going to put it on. He might not get laid at the same ratio as the other guy. Like who wore better, right? Kind of scenario. Um, and, and I would say a combination of who put it out there the yeah. best first because Elon Musk didn't invent the electric car and Steve Jobs didn't invent the MP3 player, but they got it out to market. Like they really, people think of Steve Jobs when they think of like the iPod and the MP3 player. People think of Elon Musk when it's electric car, but people that really have understood it, they weren't first. They just, they weren't first to be different. They just did different better in a yep. way that they looked like they were first. They just outshined them. In fact, I met, I met a guy uh, like six years ago and it blew my mind. And, and at first I remember I was, I thought this was an unethical idea, but then I was like, you know, I get it. I get what he's doing. He would look for restaurant concepts that were doing really well. And then he would set up a restaurant like down the street and make it 10 times better than what they had. So if let's say this Irish pub was killing it, he would set up an Irish pub down the street, but he would make it bigger, better, more unique, do all this stuff. Cause he knew that Irish pub was what they wanted but now he made it look like this is the Irish pub of the town. Sure. And uh, so I, he used to do that with every, he had like 40 restaurants. He did that with Good him. artists borrow, great artists steal. That's one of my favorite yeah. lines out there, you know? And do you believe in new ideas or, or do you believe that everything is just a better 2.0 version of something? Are there new ideas or are they just a better iteration of what's currently existing? I think what we're doing with LRVT is a new idea. I don't think anyone's doing it like this, um, but it's definitely inspired. For everyone that's listening real quick, you just, what is LRVT? So people don't know what the acronym stands for. LRVT stands for Loud Rumor Virtual Training. So the idea is, you know, um, obviously it started out with me being just a normal ad agency for, for fitness studios. And we were doing well as far as what we were supposed to do. We were driving in a ton of leads every month for these people. But we had a 42% retention rate. Meaning, and the way we measure retention at the time, because we were so young, was okay. We got a three-month agreement. How many people will opt in to the fourth optional month? Right, like you can cancel now. 
and uh, only 42% of people were sticking around. And so that was terrible. We needed to get that number up. And so we decided to find out exactly what it was that was getting people to not really get the results they needed. We realized there were three different types of studio owners that we were working with. There was the fitness guy that started a business, right? He was probably a trainer somewhere. He's probably a great instructor or trainer somewhere. And he was the man when he was the employee at that place. And so he figured, man, if I start my own thing, I'll be the man there too. And, and, but the thing is he didn't know all the other things the business was doing, marketing, payroll, HR, all that stuff. You know, he never had to practice. So the fitness guy started a business. Then there's the business guy that started a fitness business. So this guy, yeah, he owns a, maybe an orange theory or F45, but he also owns, you know, uh, a Harkins theater. He also owns massage envy. He also owns other stuff. I mean, he doesn't really, he doesn't care what it is. He just knows how to build a team and let them execute the operations. Um, and then there's the third guy and the third guy's the first guy that's striving to be the second guy, right? He's the fitness guy that started a business, but he will read and listen to whatever podcasts and do whatever you tell him to do because he just wants to be successful as a, as a business owner. And so he's making that transition. So we learned that the second guy and the third guy did very well in our program. The first guy struggled. So we were, how, how do we get the first guy to start being inspired by the second and the third guy? So that's why we did the show, and that's also why we did um, LRVT, Logger Virtual Training. The show was to get people to realize, look, the greats still learn, right? And I bring in people that are really good at what they do, and they talk about how they learn. And then I give them an opportunity where they can learn. So now bring it to LRVT. Logger Virtual Training is a platform that a studio owner can log into and learn everything they need to know, not just from me, but from the most successful fitness studios from all over the world. Um, people from Sydney, Australia, people from Canada, people from the U.S., all, all parts of the U.S., on sales, marketing, advertising, HR, finance, pre-sales, you name it. Like there's not one part of your business that we leave uh, untouched. And you can learn all those things from various trainers. So maybe you really align with this one studio owner who's got 18 studios, but you don't align with this guy. That's fine. Stop following his stuff. This is the guy that you feel you mesh well with. Go through his stuff. His stuff's great. So... That I don't think existed before. I, I see what other people have done before with learning centers and like training centers. It's always been the CEO of that agency creating it all. And uh, I'm just not good enough in all those things to be able to give you the best content. But I can find the best people and they're good enough to give you the best content in those trainings. And so it ties into even just what we were talking about prior that I think catapults into this. I've got, I believe in the white space theory. I believe there's generally two things working out on some ends of the spectrum and the real business opportunities exist in the middle. We were talking uh, before I hit record, there were global gyms, right? You got your gold's gyms, you know, your LA fitnesses, your lifetimes, and then like curves had done pretty well. Um, uh, Birkin yoga was doing decent at the time, but uh, this cross, the CrossFit thing was one of the biggest explosions for an, uh, an entrepreneur to get started with minimal capital. So right. now I look at it now in 2019, I'd call that back there throughout 2022, 2003, four, five. Now I see the white space. I, none of these boutique studios really think that LA fitness is their competitor anymore Two right. completely, you know, they're completely different, but there's like maybe a CrossFit model and an orange theory right? Both tribally strong, both find people that want their thing. But I believe there's white space somewhere in between there. Because if you were to talk about the avatar and what an orange theory does and what a CrossFit gym does, viscerally different on opposite ends of the spectrum. And whenever I see that, there's space to go in the middle. And, and that's where you see like some really good brands that I've had a chance to, to see and work with. Companies like Metabolic, 
companies yeah. like Alchemy 365. These are all, I've got them doing this uh, big conference down here at the end of October and I've got them speaking at it. And I, I look at those guys and those are white space guys. What you're doing with Loudermer VT, I, I look at that kind of white space. Everyone's making content and yeah. some people are making really good looking content. So it's harder to, you know, get, you know, get rid of. And you, I bet you'd probably agree when you invested in videographers and design guys and editors, it was probably one of the best investments you ever made. Yeah, I didn't think so. I, I, I always wondered. And then around year two, it was starting to realize like I was yeah. like, okay, this was a good idea. We haven't, we haven't run a lead gen campaign. Like you see those ads, you don't see those ads for me. You don't see like opt into our thing to see the case. Study. Like you don't yeah. see Type in your name and email, click here, and I'll, yeah. Yeah, if you want to see three ways, uh, we don't run lead gen campaigns. And right now, we've got 139 leads in the pipeline, meaning these are people that are ready to do demos with us. We've got, four, uh, I don't know how many now, I know it was 40 a couple days ago, uh, 40, around 40 people on a wait list that extends up to 60 days, meaning they already paid their first month just to lock themselves in the wait list to work with us over the next sure. four, four, 60 days when we're ready to launch. So, but that I believe is strictly from the content that we've created and not just the quantity of the content. I really believe that the people I've brought on the show have just done a remarkable job of giving their best content and it's allowed me to help more people. So uh, I think it's great quality content too, as far as what people yeah. are. And I've not experienced it myself. So I'm talking third party and I, you know, talking with, you know, people like Brittany Welk and all that, the accessibility and the ease of it I've heard is phenomenal. And it, that's, again, we use, we were talking off, off radio, off the record earlier. It needs like Netflix is easy. Netflix yeah. is easy. Like the best UI of any app is easy. Can I do what I need to do in one to two clicks, pushes, whatever it needs to be? And do I, do I know where I should go? And is it, oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, just like I think, like I, when I think of great UX, like Spotify is one of my favorite models of just intuitive. Like I would, I want everything to be like Spotify. Um, yeah. Cool, I love that. All right, so here's one thing I want to talk about: what, the branding versus marketing. Jim's mm -hmm. the we were talking earlier about every there's these guys and everyone's a ClickFunnels guru that can get you 1100 leads in in six days and all this other stuff, um, and, and that's marketing. Right, marketing is here. I'm going to tell you who I am. That's marketing. Branding is you tell me who I am. Right, branding happens in the customer's line of sight, whereas marketing happens in our line. We're fully in control of what people think of that marketing and what they see in that marketing and all that. You know, you wear a lot of Apple. You wear Nike. Um, those are brands you align yourself with uh, because it makes you feel a certain way. And you know, you and me know the difference between this. If you're talking to a micro gym, and we both know cash flow is king. We're generally pushing marketing on these guys first and foremost prior to branding. Would, that, would you say it's typically like the, the playbook for you guys? Um, well, I think uh, I think terminology is so interesting. Like with with all different parts of the country and world on this kind of stuff, because I think we you and I may have just different terminology on it. So when you say like to me, what's the difference between or like marketing versus branding? What's the difference? Sure. Me, that's like saying what's the difference between Honda and a Civic. To me, branding is, is under the umbrella of marketing. It's not a different thing. So marketing to me, and the way I've studied it, is it's uh, the, the actions that you take to create the marketability of your product. You know, that goes from you know, creating the buyer personas to creating the journeys that you want to go through on the prospect end, on the customer end. That goes to the pricing, the way you're going to present that pricing. 
Uh, that goes to um, you know all the different verbiage that you will and will not say, the color schemes, the logos, the imagery, all that stuff, creative, all that's in there. And so under that umbrella of marketing, the way I see it is there's PR, there's advertising, which in, I think that's our terminology. I call it advertising, yep. um, branding. Um, there, there's all, all these, even a portion of sales when it comes to how we are presenting what we said, not the closing and all that stuff. So for me, marketing is because you never have, when you think about it, nobody creates a branding budget. You create a marketing budget and that marketing budget will cover the advertising, whether it's branding or lead gen or whatever. You don't hire a branding director. You hire a marketing director. You know, you don't hire a CBO, you hire a CMO, uh, which is, you know, chief marketing officer. And under the umbrella that that guy runs, it's not just the advertising, which is our terminology that we're figuring out here is a little different, but it's also the branding and all that. He's responsible for it. So that's why I said it's like, what's there between Honda and the Civic? To me, the Civic is under Honda. Um, so, but way, the way you're saying it, absolutely right. Um, I think that one is meant, what I say advertising, is meant to take the message and here's what we say about us. And um, branding is more of how did you interpret that so now when you're talking to the world, you know, what do we mean to you? Um, yeah. That's the way I, I see it. Honestly. I love it. And I, I'm not gonna lie. I think on podcasts far too often when there's two people that, you know, do similar, they're in similar lines of work, there's too much agreeance. And I love that we have different viewpoints on this because neither one of us is wrong or right. It's just how we interpret it. I always think of another way I always put it is marketing has a, a strategic plan and a calculated ROI. Like you have an idea from your CAC to what your what, what different KPIs you're chasing, whether that was a good marketing campaign, did we, whatever. Branding doesn't have, it has a very long tail ROI. So for example, um, at my studio, Urban Movement, we spent uh, five months uh, cal you know, creating our own white label formula of toiletries and shampoos and body washes, all self-branded and all that kind of stuff, just to add that little bit of difference in the suit. Is there any ROI in that whatsoever other to the, the 20, let's say that's even generous, the 15% of customers that actually use the showers at our facility? Probably not. Is it generating us any money? Probably not. Is it, do we hope, long tail ROI for brand? Mm -hmm. Yes, we, we sure do. And I, that's, that's another way I, I generally look at it. Can we, do we have, is our ROI more short term, medium term, you know, and very calculated? I'm putting that $2,000 into this YouTube pre roll campaign. I'd like to get this many clicks to the landing page and then see the, you see my, you know, that many clicks fill out and those, those people come in. And then branding being, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the play that you do uh, for Breast Cancer Awareness Month where you go around town and you make pink shirts that say blah, 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 whatever, clever tagline you have associated, you give them out, or you host a free workout every single weekend in your gym on Breast Cancer October because there's a gazillion nonprofits that have a budget to hit and they will do the advertising. You get the free lead information because they got to come in and fill out your waiver. And so yeah. little things like that. It, I, I agree. I think most branding, the, the easiest branding to do, um, even if you have little skill, is long-term branding. Like if you just stick with something long enough, I mean, that, that's what happened with me. I, I don't think I have remarkable skill in branding. That's not my strength. And so for me, for the first year and a half that I had the GSD show, I felt like the only people that watched it were my employees and maybe my mom. Like I felt like nobody was watching. And then, you know, over the course of, 
you know, by year two, it felt like, wow, one person recognized me at a conference. Year three, oh, wow, four or five people recognized me at an industry conference. And year four, it's, you know, quite a few people. I mean, I'm getting stopped. And so it took me four years to get to a point where I felt like I'm making a deep impact because I'm not that great at it. But I think there's people that are really great at it or they stumble across it. And Brandy can drive ridiculous, very quick results. Um, I think uh, Popeye's Chicken just did a great example of that. That was not oh, yeah. Oh yeah, between them and uh, Bojangles, that entire thing was just so creative. I mean, just it was a perfect example. That's not lead gen, right? And that's not long tail. That happened right away. They sold out of sandwiches quick. So I think when branding's done, uh, and you're really good at it, like they were really that's a, that was genius. Uh, you can get results really freaking quick. Um, but if you don't have that skill set, you've got to you got to really either bring somebody on your team that can do that, which that's tough. Or you just got to do what you really do best and, and focus on that and, and just and just be consistent, you know? I, I agree. I, the one thing that, you know, really troubled me in the rise of the, the again, let's call it the six-week challenge, the front-end offer that a lot of gyms have opted into. And, you know, I've had Alex on my show. I know you are, you're good friends with Alex. And I, I remember talking to him on the, my podcast. I said, my fear is, is that there were brands of micro gyms that this six, that a six-week challenge to that type of clientele, the kind of person who would respond to a six week challenge is similar to 10 years ago, someone who might be watching at two 30 in the morning and buy the fat blaster gazelle 3000 for four easy payments of 1995, similar, not exactly, but a similar mindset, a desperate for results mindset, very similar to the micro gym owners that respond to these ads for the other guy. They're profit desperate. They'll, they're like, yeah, sure. Whatever you can get me. However many leads do that for me. And I was, my fear was that, we would, gyms would be utilizing marketing plays like uh, let's just the six week challenge that truly was the antithesis of their brand. And I'm going to use a, a CrossFit gyms that generally were a little edgier, a little bit more like they had a very niche of a niche audience. Yeah, yeah. And then you go from this hardcore thing and you've been telling the world like you were CrossFit, you know, people, they used to wear shirts that would say our workouts will smoke you like cheap crack. You can't have that on the back of your shirt and then offer a six week fluffy muffin fat girl fitness camp, you know, to, to do like it was this kind of lead, the lead gen campaign was so done consistently that it became their brand. Correct. Yeah. And so now next thing you know, it's like, well, I want to turn it off now. Like, listen, branding is whatever you do consistently, good or bad. $5 foot long, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You think five dollars, you know? Yeah. You, you a hundred percent do. Now, do you think that there are gyms that opt into marketing campaigns that might not fit their model and they do it for so long it switches? Like, is there a point in marketing that you have to consider that front end offer? Is that best for you? So like a CrossFit gym maybe that does like what I call PT first, meaning personal training is the entry point to group class. Offering free six week would be, would work against that model for you. Offering a free consultation and fitness assessment, whatever you want to call it. That might have been a better front end offer. Do you do you, how much time do you guys spend with your clients at Loud Rumor and making sure that the front end offer matches not what's popular and going to get the most you know PPCs, but what is going to actually support what it is you do on the inside? Well, when it comes to the front end offer, I, I think some can be run consistently and be okay and not create a brand around them. The six week challenge is such an in depth like. You have to describe what it is. You have to really explain it. So because you have to explain six week challenge, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. And you're going to get this. And you're going to get that because you have to explain it so much. It's, it now becomes the thing I think of when I think of that company, but you know, um, 
a free week or a free session, like sure. that's, you don't have to explain that. There's, there's nothing really that goes into that. So it's industry it's not, agnostic. So many people run that. Yeah. I mean, even agencies do, right? Like just jump on a free call, jump on, that doesn't make, that's not your brand. Um, so because I, I understand that, I don't need to explain it. Now, if we ran something where it was like a, a three week, you know, at our agency, we'll do a three week trial with you and uh, we'll call it something. We'll call it the three week cloud trial, whatever. You know, now we'll be known for that because I don't know what that is unless it's explained. And so now, oh, you're the company that does that three week cloud trial, right? Whatever the hell that means, that's made it up. But yeah, right. But but like, you don't have to explain a free sample, a free session. So that's not the brand. So I think uh, front end offers, if if it's if it can, I get it. Twenty for twenty, five for five, something like that. Yep. Can be explained easily. It's not going to become part of your brand. It's the entry point to get me to want to give it a shot. Correct. And. You know, I, my wife owns a, uh, a very successful salon here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I, I sit there and I, I listen. I, I just love watching the, the human element of a salon, right? It's very entertaining. Um, but I, I see such similarities, not only from like a recession-proof, I, I use the word recession-proof, but very, very recession-resistant, both industries. But then I look at there, and there were very very few salons, dry bars even, and stuff like the big chains, blow, and blow bars and stuff like that, that do front end offers. And, and stuff like that. When you look at, like, because I'm, I'm sure you, I'm, I'm assuming, have you ever guys, have, have you guys gone into like the, the massage and the, the, the salon space at all with, with your clients? We got into massage about a year and a half ago because we had an Orange Theory owner that owned like 15 Orange Theory. And they also own like a few massage envies. Yeah. And, uh, What's that? They said it's a great brand. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, and they were like, uh, hey, you know, would you be able to help us with this? And we resisted at first, and the guy was, you know, he's convincing. He's a good businessman. We're like, well, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do it for you. We'll give it a shot. But, you know, if it doesn't work, like, that's because we don't do massage. Well, it worked, and it worked just as good as fitness. So, um, yeah, we, we've run campaigns now, probably 30 or 40 massage places. Uh, but obviously, you can't do a free trial. You definitely don't do any type of challenge. You do like a, um, you know, like a slash. So it's sure. you know, originally $89 per hour slash 39. Yeah. You know, something like that. And then you put yeah. the percentage of whatever that comes out to and then you stack it. You'll also get a free this, 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 and essential oils or whatever, right? 15 yeah. minutes of this. So you stack yeah. it. And, and there's a lot of gyms, you know, I'm a big fan when you're a micro gym owner, you need to go and play in other people's four walls. So if you own a CrossFit, go to Orange Theory, F45, F45 Eat the Frog, Metabolic, all this stuff, and vice versa. And it's amazing. I had a gym owner, like whenever they come on site and do work with me here, I take them to these different micro gyms we have in Charlotte. We're getting a Berries boot camp, all these great models. There's no such thing as a free class. Like you go to it, you go to like most Orange Theories, you're going to put your credit card down. And if you know show to that class is a trial, they will charge you. And well, then below, yeah, the trial, yes. Yes. It, there is a free, they, they actually, right now, the approved offers for Orange Theory is up to two free sessions. So you get two free sessions. That's yeah. the, the biggest trial. And as long as you go, you're not going to get charged. But in Correct. reality, even if you don't go, they're not going to charge you. They'll just see if they can get you back. They don't care about the 10 bucks. Um, they, they will use that in the sale. But then if you, you know, to get you to get you to show, but if you don't show, they'll be like, you know, Hey, we'll do this. And then they'll let I'd be, it's interesting. The one that opened up here in the South end, which is a very, in the hip urban district here in Charlotte, North Carolina, it was, um, when it first opened and maybe they just been, they were just far enough out of grand opening and pre-sale and hitting the number that they need to open up the studio. 
the, the drop in was $23. And so I took two gym owners there and yeah. they only allowed two new people to come in per class. And we had to wait. The, at the end of the day, the one guy took, had to take a flight. He had to miss it. And they hit him for the $23 on it. And when he got off the plane, it like his, you know, Wi-Fi turns out. He's like, dude, they actually did it. I was like, it's thug as fuck. But good. You ate up a spot in that class. They should have charged you because yeah, they have a yeah. fixed up. They have a fixed operational capacity. They're anticipating 45 people being in there. And it, I think yeah. that also has, you know, operator to operator, they'll be a little different too. Sure, sure. Sometimes they'll make a decision because they don't see the long vision of it and what could be done. Like it's better to make $23 of this. But in some cases, it's a capacity issue. Like, look, we actually don't can't fit that person anyway. So yeah. let's just charge them yeah. um, and get our ad costs back. Yeah. So you know, uh, I think they could have known he was a drop in. They could have known he wasn't a viable long-term person. So they were taking the hit cause they knew it was, you know, whatever it might've been. Right? There's been a front desk girl that just got hired and, and a bad day. Yeah. Or just follow the rules, not knowing because she hasn't been there long enough that look, we'll bend that. But yeah. she's like, it's in the, it's in the SOPs. And so we're like, okay, I, I got to charge him now. Cause he did show up. So, um, there could be a million reasons, but we, we've now, I think, I think it's over 130 or so at 40, uh, I'm sorry, Orange Street Fitnesses. And, um, from what I've gathered, uh, you can, you, you, you won't pay that fee. There's a lot of leeway there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's a strategy to get you to, to have a better show rate. Sure. hundred percent. Yeah. But, and, but they'll, they'll charge you if you do it a couple times in a row, like if you don't show, but, um, but generally, cause even my wife, my wife signed up and, uh, this is before we started working with orange series and she didn't show to her first one cause we have four kids. So a lot of shit happens. Um, so we had four kids, something happened, she didn't make it and they called her up and they're like, Hey, it's okay. But we'll make sure you get on this one. She went in. It was good. Yeah. So, and the funny thing is the owner of that orange theory fitness is now actually a performance director at Loudon. Okay. That's cool. That's awesome. Me and my wife, we have an orange tree right down the street. And, uh, I, even with me owning the gym, it's, it's sometimes just more convenient to bust down there and do that. I've got a two year old and, and life and businesses. And it's, uh, this studio, the operator runs it a little bit tighter. You know, show on a class. And again, I think it's the, I think it's also the capacity where the capacity is on a studio and things like that. But what models right now that you see really stand out to you, right? Everyone like orange theory is the, you know, 1500, 1600, wherever they're at right now, they're, they've just blown away. F45 for sure. And it's proven they're, they're literally the fastest growing fitness studio franchise right now. I think they're, they're, they're approaching 2000. Uh, they're signing. I just met with HQ yesterday. And so they're signing about 60 to 70, uh, franchises per month. Their, their goal is to get to a hundred per month. Do you think they had a, because they had a continent proof of concept. They didn't just didn't have a hundred studio, you know, 50 studios. They had an entire like Australia, the entire model has been proven for years over there. Do you think that's why investors in the U S and franchisors are just eating it up because of that proof of concept? No, we haven't seen anything like that. Like orange theory was in Florida. Like that's, that's where it's, you know, for, for the front, we work with over 50 franchises right now. And, you know, I would say probably a third of them have over a hundred locations. Right. And so usually when they're a bigger franchise like that, I'll go work out a few different times. And I will say there's orange theory and F 45. They, they do good workouts. So do some others that I'm not going to mention because I'm going to, I'm going to give a negative to it now. Um, the thing that I think Orange Theory and F45 do really well is everyone talks about community, but they really do have one. Um, there's one that I'm thinking of that is near my house. I thought it was a killer workout. It was so cool. Um, it was like a nightclub, but, and I got a great workout. Instructors were great, but 
that community's not there. Like no one knows each other. No one talks to each other. You're in, you're out. And, um, it was very easy for me to never go back. And, and it wasn't because of the workout cause I'd go back. So I think F45, they do such a really good job. I mean, my employee works out there, uh, Victoria, and she got McKenna to work out there. McKenna lost 40 pounds there. McKenna got Alexa to work out there. Um, Justice has his girlfriend working out there. And it's like they're pulling people in because they want to be the person that's bringing people in. And it's like they're high. Um, they're still missing a, a few things like everyone is. The, ind the industry, this segment of the industry is so young. It's only been around for like 12 years or less. Yeah. So there's still a lot of learning, and that's what I'm hoping LRBT does. But um, the sales um, is something that I, I think F45s would have so much more if they really embrace the sales process a little bit better. Um, but they've got a lot of the other stuff down really well. It's interesting. And because we're, you know, we were talking about how your, your real background is in the business sales marketing side of this. It's not even, it's not in the, it's not running a studio. So you being a consumer and obviously associating day to day, hour to hour with studio owners, you being a consumer and this person, when I look at something like F45, the biggest hack, and I just look from the physical what's happening, it's two people to a station you've got a buddy in the work. It's like, it's a it's almost like a partner workout every day and you get partnered up with different people every day. You're bound to know somebody. Yeah. If there's 16 stations, two people per station, and we got 32 people in class and you go two days a week and you do that for three months, you're yeah. going to make new friends okay. very quick. Yeah. You know, versus the spin studio model. And or, we have or, or even better, if let's say you're not so sociable, so you're not clicking with them, what are you going to do? You're going to bring a buddy in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell people the number one reason we all don't have as many clients as we want is because Sally couldn't get Becky to go work out with her. Do you know how many women are wanting to go do tri group fitness, but they won't because they need the support of the buddy system and that buddy isn't, you know, they're in awareness, but they're, you know, maybe they're in the consideration stage, but they're not ready to make that full jump yet. And yeah. I just, that the number one reason more people don't come in and work out of your studios because they, it's one of them does, but they've got a counterpart, a friend, a partner or whatever roommate that hasn't made the commitment and they will not go until they go or until something personally, emotionally happens large enough to force them off the, the, you know, that edge of the cliff. So I, you like orange theory, or I'm sorry, at 45, yeah. Let me ask you this. How many more, because you look at Barry's, Barry's Bootcamp and Orange Theory and Eat the Frog, and Eat the Frog is big in Arizona. Um, it started in Canada. How many, do you know how many locations they have there? I mean. I don't know. Um, Eat the Frog, I think. So, so the thing too, like with franchises that we work with, you know, there's ones that we really, really love. Uh, F45, Orange Theory being a couple of them. Spenga is another one. Um, there, there's a few Japs boxing is another one. Um, and there's franchises that we will take, we'll work with cause we think there's potential and eat the frogs. You know, I had a weird, I, I feel, I feel like they're, they, they've got a really good workout. They've got a good concept. Um, but I think, uh, kind of like me, what I need to do with my company where I'm just not great in some areas. So I had to bring in some really great people to help fill those gaps for me. So I didn't have to like suffer because of that. I think they, they need to add maybe a couple people to the headquarters team. Um, and if they did that, I think they could explode. Um, but the conversation I had there, it felt like we were missing a lot of, we weren't seeing things the same way. And I think that kind of hurt what could have been um, something really good for them. So that, that's my, that's my, sure. that's my great concept though. Do you, do you run into issues 
do your F45 clients like, well, listen, Mike, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Let's book this for my sixth franchise in my territory, but don't you dare go working for Eat the Frog when they move in here. Do you, do you guys get into anything like that? Do you guys have, no, no non-competes or anything? Well, here's the thing. I don't, we have a Facebook group and there's like, oh, there's tons of people in there, but it's all people that work with us, right? And there's no negativity. There's no putting people down. There's no, um, it's an abundance mindset group. Yes. And, and so the way I teach in there is it's not about fighting over your slice of the pie. It's about making the pie bigger. And so, you know, I encourage, like, I'll give you a great example. One person in the Facebook group asked a good question, a good strategic question, which was, Hey, there's a studio down the street for me that's closing down. Uh, they actually still have quite a few members. How do you guys think I can leverage that? so that I can see if I can bring in their members in our studio, right? And uh, my question was simple. I go, well, are you friends with the owner? And she said, no, no, we never talk. And I go, well, there was your chance. Uh, because if I'm your friend and I'm doing that, I'm calling you first. I'm saying, hey, I got to do this, but is there any way you can take care of my members? I feel bad. They're really good. That's what I'd have done first. But you were so scarcity mindset. You didn't want to meet with them. You didn't want to find ways to share stuff because you're afraid of your two or 300 members going to their studio. When in reality, there's like probably 80 or 90,000 people that fit the demographic in your five mile radius that you can both work with. And we're fighting over two, you're fighting over crumbs and there's a whole pizza. And so, um, so I, I always recommend, you know, you got a ton of people here. You, you shouldn't be focusing on how do I get your clients? You should be saying, how do we get all those people that are no one's clients? Correct. Right? Because we're, we're an obese country, man. Like there, there is a lot of opportunity. We are an obese country. We're an out of shape country, but we are in a world now where we're becoming more health conscious right now. Uh, the millennial and, and they haven't gotten the, at least I haven't seen the numbers for Gen Z yet, but millennials are one third less smokers. There's a, there's a third less smokers with millennials. Um, there's, it was like 40 some percent less people drink soda um, in this generation versus the other generation. Um, more people drink water. It was a big thing on drinking water. Um, more people will do uh, regular activities like hiking and, and uh, sightseeing and stuff like that. Like it, we're health conscious today. Yeah. And so there's a big opportunity. We're still fighting over the low-hanging fruit instead of really wanting to get people to come and become that low-hanging fruit, bring them in. So again, not fighting over the pot, the slice, but making the pie bigger. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's where, especially models. So for example, if I'm working with a gym, that's, you know, like use the CrossFit scenario. It's, you know, nomadic fitness is a thing. Class pass has made nomadic fitness a very well-known thing. There are people who don't just want to dial into one tribe. They're going to taste test a lot of different ones, kind of like going to a microbrewery and, and getting a flight of beer and just kind of sampling each one. ClassPass allows that. And especially with a robust economy where you have transplants going all over the country for new jobs right out of college, you get there, you don't know anybody, get ClassPass, you're able to go ahead, try all these different studios, meet somebody. You know, I always joke around, you know, my demographic here in Charlotte and in the South End, all millennial, 28, just got a job in an apartment. It's 3D Tinder. My gym is 3D Tinder. Friends, fitness, and fucking. Like I joke around like that's kind of what a lot of them are coming for. And I'm a huge fan of what ClassPass does. And I think I'm, a, I'm even a bigger fan of a CrossFit gym recognizing, you know what? There is a spin studio 
five blocks down the street. Why don't we offer a reciprocal discount? Nothing that's going to you know, pull our pants down, but something that would allow, hey, listen, Sally, so what are you thinking of doing for fitness? Well, I think you could be doing strength training with us two days a week. And you mentioned right. you really like to ride a bike. We have a great partnership, a flywheel. You get a 15% discount if you go there two days a week as well. And now you got your four days a week and you're losing your 20 pounds in order for your, you know, your bachelorette party, whatever the hell it is. You know, collaboration over competition. And yeah. I, I am a huge fan of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of agency owners that target the same people I target. And um, it's funny, I, I was in, in a text conversation with one of them about a month ago where they're actually looking at changing a few things about their model and they want to know if they can send me over like 150 clients because they want them taken care of. That, that's it, I'm just kidding. So at 150, that would essentially add, you know, um, 150k uh, per month, roughly, depending on the right? 150 to 250k per month in recurring. So that could be a three million dollar deal. Yeah, uh, and and because and you all, were cool yeah. somebody because you were cool somebody. Yeah, and I've given a colleague, person, not a competitor. I've given that person ideas. I've showed them what's working for us with Instagram story ads and how we do it and how it's working extremely well. Uh, they shared with me certain things they were doing, and you know we don't keep anything when you keep something close to the chest. When you're afraid to share what you've got, that means you're probably a one-trick pony and you're in trouble anyway. Um, you know, when, when you don't mind sharing, you know, um, it was, uh, what was, like Rocky, I was just watching Rocky with my daughter, it was Rocky 3, and at the end, or it was How Rocky old's your daughter? She's eight. Dude, she I, love that she, I love that she's in the Rocky at eight. Oh my God. Well, for the listeners, you're not able to see what I'm about to show him, but you're, but you're able to at least hear his reaction to it. So this is my daughter after the movie uh, doing push-ups. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. I was hoping you were going to show her like drinking the eggs raw out of the blender. Like. <laughs> and that's her crying her eyes out because Mickey died. Oh, man. <laughs> that, I mean, who, did, who didn't cry when Mickey died? Um, I was, well, the reason I looked at her was because I was crying. Um, you know, so, but, but uh, I don't know why I was, I was saying that. Was so, we were talking about sharing stuff. But, yeah, I mean – Ultimately, we uh, we definitely believe in in helping out as much as we possibly can and collaborating as much as you can. And when you do that, things just naturally end up working out in your favor. And even if they don't, who gives a crap? Like I'm not fighting over. Oh, that's why I brought up Rocky Three because in that movie, if you remember Apollo, who was Rocky's opponent, now became the guy that helped Rocky. Yep. And now because of that, Rocky got stronger. And then at the end of the movie. Yeah, uh, because Apollo showed him everything he knew, which is a ton of yeah. tricks. And then the, they hit the fist at the same time. Yeah, and then at the end, he was like, uh, "He was like, well, how are you going to beat me? You showed me everything you know." He's like, "Almost everything." Yeah. And, uh, so there's so much. Apollo was a champion. He was a true champion. So he could show him a ton. There's still so much. So yeah, I think. I, but I think the reason a lot of people play close to the chess is because they're not really studying business, and they're not getting. The trainings and they're not getting all the stuff. Um, I, I, you know, I, I feel bad because I love, I love a lot of stuff that Gary V says. I think Gary V makes a lot of really great points, and I think he's super smart. But he said something the other day that drove me nuts, which is um, like you don't get mentors or you shouldn't get mentors, and like just pay attention to the market. And I'm like, that's like LeBron James saying, don't don't go through training on how to jump higher. You should just know how to jump. It's like, great, LeBron is different. He's a unique specimen. He can just jump. He doesn't even know how the hell he does it. Gary V, I think some people, like Gary, 
he, he just he sees things very differently. He he can like Dr. Dre hears he sees music, right? You, you hear him say that he, I see music. I don't hear it. I see it. I think Gary Vee, yeah, he's got that vision that where he can see the angles on things a little better, and I, I respect him for that. I think it's awesome, but I don't think everyone's got that. I do not have that. I don't have the ability to like see the market before the market happens. I have the ability to find people that see the market before the market happens. And, and that's actually, if you, if you really get to know me, what people will tell you is I'm really well connected. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of really smart people and I can call them at any time. I can make a phone call and ask them questions. Um, but I don't like, they don't really, they call me every once in a while, but they, everything they're learning from me is something I just learned from someone else. Sure. So I don't have, so I think people should invest in mentorship or, or look for mentors. A lot of my mentorship was free just by being a nice guy and helping out whoever I yeah. could. Mentorship could be networking, right? Mentorship should be, be being a, like the people, you know, and you know, you collab, like I'm a big fan of getting the micro gym owners in a market. Like I do it here in Charlotte and I get, from yoga to spin to CrossFit and Pilates and boxing and air, you know, all that stuff and get together once a quarter and just shoot the shit and just literally like what, what issues that everyone's got going on? What's everyone thinking about this and that? And, and that, you know, could be a version of mentorship. Some people read books like a book a month and that could be a version of their mentorship kind of scenario. I think when I hear mentorship, it's never stop learning. Never like the second you stop wanting to learn and, and you know this and anyone who's successful knows this, you're, you're done for, you're absolutely done. And I believe in a phrase, it's not what we do. It's how and why we do it. Like what you do on your Instagram stories isn't the special sauce because anyone can look at it and copy it. With Facebook ad transparency, we could find any loud rumor client, click on the Facebook ad transparency, the exact copy. That is not what is special for everyone listening. It's not what he does with a photo and ad copy. It is how they pull it off on the back end that you cannot always see and why they do it that way. Without the how and the why, you've got nothing. You've got nothing there. That's, you know, that copy means nothing. That, you know, that image or the way Gary Vee does an Instagram post, oh, if I use that same, you know, font in the same way, it's going to work. It's not because there's a how and why behind it you can't even touch. Yeah, there's a ton of people out there that are wearing chucks, that have jeans, that have beanies, that, you know, do all the stuff Gary does in the exact same way Gary does it and are not being successful and it ha and it's because that's not who they are you know like like me i think gary's a really smart guy but i'm not gary and so for me kobe saw a lot of michael jordan in him and so modeling after michael made sense for kobe because there were so many similarities in the way they're both six foot six they were both shooter shooting guards they were scorers they were competitive i mean they were cut from the same cloth so kobe says michael jordan was his mentor and you could see a lot of it um but Kobe didn't have Larry Bird as his mentor. They played very different. He didn't have, definitely now Shaq as a mentor, right? So they're very different. So I, I think a lot of times people will see success and they want to be like that. But that's like me going, I want that guy's haircut because I want to look like him. It's like, dude, you, when you put that haircut on, you look like an idiot. Like Brad Pitt can have long hair in Troy. Mike Garcia, long hair, doesn't look like Brad Pitt in Troy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you have to know like, you have to, and one thing Gary does say that I like is you have to be very self-aware and, and really understand who you are and what style of play works really well for you and then be that 
and, and then and don't be the other thing because it's going to actually look worse, right? Let's tie it into basketball. Okay. Like how many people after Miami went on their championship run, thought the big three was the solution, everything. Get three superstars guaranteed to go to the finals, right? And now we've reverted to the big two. That's kind of the theme now right now. Three. Now it's the two, big two. So let, let's, let's do this. This will be fun. Who, uh, let, let's go this, Michael or LeBron? The GOAT. Who? With your pick. Uh, I, can't, I can't. I don't play that game. Okay. You don't play, okay. I don't play that game. And, and the reason I don't play that game is because there's so many effing variables, man. Yeah. Like, like Michael Jordan played in a different, a different league, era. different era. I'm, yeah. They I'm, play. played against centers like Vladi Divac that's, that smoked cigarettes and ate McDonald's at halftime. Okay. Let's Number stay one. in the. Okay. Number one. Number two, he played. That's, the, that's what makes the game easier. Number two, he played in the era where people would knock him in the yeah. midair at the foul line. Yeah. So LeBron wouldn't have a, a half the foul, the free throw shots that he would ever have playing back then. No, but on top of that, he would post the hell up out of any other small forward yes. that wanted to check him. So Russell, Russell Westbrook, like who played like Russell Westbrook? No one, no one's eating like who eats today. Sure. No one is training. LeBron is in, Ice bath, crowd therapy. He's in these compression legs. He's got a chef walking around with him. Michael Jordan was eating McDonald's. Yeah. Michael Jordan smoked cigars on his way to the game. Yeah. He would be up at night playing, playing in Vegas, right? Michael Jordan but, left the NBA to go fucking play baseball. Like, like a, what NBA player takes a sabbatical that long and yeah. does it and stays that sharp? But, okay, let me ask you the current day then. <laughs> if you had to put money on who, take, who takes the NBA championship this year? This upcoming uh, season, I would say the Lakers. Yeah, if everyone's healthy, healthy is a big part of it. Sure, it's a team game, and that's like business too. It's a, it's the same thing, right? In my company, if you were to say, "Are we going to hit our goals this year? Are we going to keep these people? Are these yeah. people going to stay with us? Because as long as these people stay with us and they stay healthy, and and that in our case means like mentally, are they going to be focused? If that's the case, we'll hit these goals, no problem. We're going to crush it. But if we lose a member, or if something happens, like that can change the dynamic. You know? I, I hope that you are 100% right in that. And I'm, a, I'm being a, guy, a Cleveland fan, but I've always been a huge LeBron fan. Even when he left in Miami, I loved, I loved him. Um, I hope they win because of the cool parallels guys like you and me will be able to make content on that, listen, this is a guy who is used to winning. Right, like there are a lot of gyms I, I get to talk to that had the glory days of you know let's say when CrossFit popped and it was a buzzword it was the, one of the highest search Google searches and it was they were doing really well and now it's a more saturated boutique market you can't get away with this grungy warehouse like it's 2008 anymore LeBron took one on the chin this past year yeah. he's not used to that and you pick now a pissed off LeBron who's got a chip on his shoulder like he's, a real chip he took one on the chin every move he made. When he went to Miami, he took a big punch. Yep. Of when he went back to Cleveland. Oh boy. I mean, the big, and that's, that's, here's another lesson too. First for studio owners, a lot of people I've seen have stopped running ads a certain way or stopped posting content because they'll get like it's, a negative comment. Yeah. And it's like the, that, you know, you're going to get that and you've got to, I, I honestly, I don't even pay attention to a lot of that. I've got somebody else that'll like her, you know, comment or whatever like i'll go in there every once in a while but i don't even want to know it because i don't think that person knows the whole story so for you to judge what i'm doing i want my customer that's been with me for six months to judge me with them and what i'm doing because that guy's got the full story sure this guy that's just watching like sure 
You know, yeah. so I think I think a lot of people have to know. I, I never had a negative comment, never uh, until about a year and a half ago, and now I get you know I get I get them. And it's it's a numbers game. It's at a certain point when you get enough clients, you're gonna have some shit. It's just bottom yeah. line. Yeah. So I, I think that's another good thing too. It's like as you guys are starting to make moves, as you guys start running more ads, man, you're gonna have studio owners, especially the ones neighboring you. They're gonna be talking crap about you, and they're gonna be yeah. hating on you, and. And the, the, there's two things you could do about it um, that are on the positive side. Number one, you can show your team, like, look, guys, we're ruffling feathers. That means we're getting attention. This is good. Number two, you can approach that person and say, hey, man, I feel really bad. I, I saw what you commented, and um, I, I feel like I, I've, I've let you down as a neighbor here, and I, I feel like you, you think I'm hurting the, the community. And is it cool if I take you to lunch? I just kind of want to talk about it and get on the same page with some of this stuff. And then just have lunch with the guy because you may, there's, there's a pride that holds, and that's the thing with D personalities or red personalities, depending on what personality assessment you take, like DISC or whatever. But like typically entrepreneurs are, and I'm like this too, I'm massively competitive. But sometimes you learn that the best way to win, a real competitive person wants to win, doesn't want to lose, right? So if, but then there's some people that are just competitive where it's about their pride. You take some players, they just want all their points. They don't care if they win the game. They want their points. Uh, there's a story about Carmelo Anthony, who nobody wants anymore, where he, they won the game and he was pissed off because he only had 29 points. They won the game and he was pissed because he only had 29 points. So there's some people that just, they, they just want to be known for this. They want to sure. they, they, they be the one that's known for it. And there's other people and that I've liked to learn from where it's like, look, who gives a crap if that person just left you a bad comment or shit on you or talk crap about you? Who cares? What, what are you going to win? Where's the real big win on you going back at it or ignoring it? What if you go hit it head on and say, you know, I'm going to talk to this guy and my goal is to make this guy my friend. I'll tell you there's a big guy in the industry. I'm not going to say who. There's a big guy that ran a sponsored ad against me on how we're scammers and liars and all this stuff. They didn't know anything about me. Nothing. I don't even know who, like, it was just out of nowhere. Big now though. And um, I reached out immediately to see how he can talk, ignored me, said no, no, not doing it, no, ignored me. About a year later, I, I approached him again. Because uh, I noticed that we're going to, our circles are starting to cross and it's going to happen. And I said, hey, man, I messaged him on, in, uh, on Instagram. I was like, hey, we should get together. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm just, I don't have the time. I don't, and he just kept blowing me off. And I said, you know what? How about this? I know you're super busy, but I also know you're super philanthropic and you care about people. How about if you meet with me for just five minutes on the phone? and I'll donate $1,000 to the charity of your choice. This way, if you get no value out of it, at least some kids do. You think he took the call? Yeah. He, he did, took the call. We had a great conversation in less than four or five minutes, ended up turning into a 20 minute call. Since then, we've become friends, we've done some business together, and um, we've, we're, we're text all the time. We're good friends. I've made money, I've made that 1,000 back. Sure. And, and I like, I like the person and he likes me. Like we would have been friends ordinarily. Um, just, so that, that is more, is, is a real competitive move because pride wise, I wanted to say, screw this guy. Sure. But because I cared more about winning than my own pride. 
I went and said, forget how my feelings are right now. I've got to win this game. I got goals. It's, it's way harder to create colleagues out of competitors than it is to just treat them like competitors. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, collaboration over competition when it comes to this. Because the other thing, too, is going back to what you said, it being such a young market, being such a young thing, none of us still know what the fuck we're doing. We, there's some of us that have figured it out way better than others. But trust me, the shit we know today in 2019, we will laugh at ourselves in 2025. I laughed at myself last year. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Mike, listen, man, I really do appreciate you taking the time today and, and chopping up with me on business and basketball and stuff like that. This has been an absolute pleasure, brother. Where can people reach out to you if they want to learn more about Loud Rumor and what, ser- what your services do for them and you know, Loud Rumor uh, VT? Um, yeah, so loudrumorvt.com is where you can go for Loud Rumor VT. And then my handles for everything is just Mike RC Live. It was like the only thing that was available. So it's just my first name, my last name, and then live at the end of it. So Instagram is probably the easiest. Like I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Awesome. And I'll go ahead and plug all this down in the show notes. Brother, listen, enjoy LA. And uh, that we'll be talking soon, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.